the Lord is known by the judgment which he executed. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. The Euphrates River is literally drying up right now. In your lifetime, you watching this documentary right now, you are living in the book of Revelation. And the judgments of God have begun. It's so important in this last hour, as this generation is going to live through the book of Revelation, that we understand the judgments of the Lord. We have to make a quick disclaimer here that before you watch this video and see the severity of the Lord and the different ways the Lord can plead with people, I have to let it be known that it's not God's will that any perish, that God does not have pleasure in the death of the wicked. You read in Ezekiel 33, 11, it says, say unto them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? So God is not just trying to wipe them out. 
He's trying to get them to repent by shaking up their life, letting them know he's not pleased with them. He's not pleased with their wickedness. But we also want to let it be known that this ministry and I myself as part of the revelation of Jesus Christ ministries, we believe in the love of God. We believe in the mercy of God. We believe in forgiving our enemies and praying for those who intend to do us harm. We believe in compassion and meekness, the grace of God. But we also believe that we need to fear God, that we need to know the severity of God, know the judgments of the Lord, to know the terror of the Lord. Because did you know that one of the titles of God, that God is known as the Lord, a God of judgment, says the book of Isaiah, chapter 30, verse 18. He's known as the Lord God of judgment. In the Hebrew, Elohei Mishpat. So one of his titles literally is the God of judgments. Did you know that in the book of Psalms, it says, For the Lord loveth judgment. For the Lord loveth judgment. It's time to learn about the judgments of God. Some of you right now listening might be thinking, well, that's the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. Well, it's time to read the book of Revelation because something is clearly going on with the saints in the book of Revelation where they are actually praising God in the midst of one of the songs, the song of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. They are praising God for his judgments and his justice. Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind, which shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. Wind passeth, so is the wicked no more.
Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. What is terror? Terror is like stepping outside in the morning, and an F5 tornado is like a football field away coming on. That's that's crazy. Think about that. What do you do? Oh, oh, God is jealous, and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Hear that? That is hail. Unbelievable. Video coming to America's Weather Center this morning. That's hail the size of grapefruits falling from the mm. sky over Alberta Monday night. Dozens of cars were damaged from a supercell storm that shattered windows, sending glass flying into passengers. Several people suffered minor injuries in the Canadian province, and hailstones are being examined to see if they broke records just from the sheer size. And it came to pass, as they fled from before Israel, and were in the going down to Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah, and they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Turkey's highest administrative court has issued a ruling to convert Istanbul's Hagia Sophia from a museum back into a mosque. President Recep Tayyip Erdogan says it will open for prayers in two weeks, but it's a controversial one that hits at the heart of the country's religious secular divide. Hagia Sophia is holding Muslim Friday prayers for the first time in over 80 years. In a way, this cathedral, this building, is a microcosm of the religious history of Turkey. It was here where the Apostle Paul launched his first missionary journey, jump-starting the Great Commission to reach the nations. And over time, this city became a thriving hub for Christianity. What once was the capital city of Christianity has slowly declined, and today, Christians make up less than 0.2% of the population. Turkish authorities seized many churches and turned them into museums, declaring a secular government. Keep in mind that at this time, around 1900, Turkey was still 20% Christian. But then Ottoman forces unleashed a campaign of genocide killing over a million Armenian Christians and expelling many out of the country. And today, 
Christians make up only 0.2% of the Turkish population. And even then, only a tiny handful of them are Protestant. And the Muslim and secular majority have no gospel presence near them. It's crazy to think about, but in Turkey, there were more Christians here in the first century than in the second. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. in Turkey has been destroyed by an earthquake for the fourth time. The original Hasi Yusuf Mosque in Malatya was ruined by the Great Earthquake in 1894. Then it was struck for the second time in 1964. In 2020, the mosque now known as Yeni Kami, or the new mosque, was damaged again by a 6.8 magnitude earthquake. The mosque had only reopened last year, but now it's been hit again by one of the largest quakes ever recorded in Turkey. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Pestilence. Jeremiah chapter 42 verse 17. So it shall be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. So the Lord is bringing this upon them. And many times when you see the word evil, right there you see it says escape from the evil I will bring upon them. If you look up to Hebrew, many times the word evil there means calamity. None shall escape from the calamity I will bring upon them. Jeremiah chapter 34 verse 16 to 17 also tells you another reason that pestilence comes. It can come from people polluting God's name. But he turned and polluted my name, and caused every man his servant and every man his handmaid whom ye had set at liberty at their pleasure to return, and brought them into subjection to be unto you for servants and for handmaids. 
Therefore thus saith the Lord, Ye have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty every one to his brother, and every man to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim a liberty for you, saith the Lord, to the sword, to the pestilence, and to the famine. And I will make you to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. So they polluted his name, did not obey the Lord, and hearken unto his voice. So he gave them over to the pestilence, the sword, and the famine. So polluting God's name can open the door for pestilence. Our DNA holds a hidden sequence pointing to God as our creator. Throughout history, humans have battled to prove the existence of God, but what if it was inside of us all along? In recent years, the discovery of the structure of the DNA molecule provided further evidence for the design argument. The DNA molecule carries specific genetic information that takes the form of a four-character digital code. This code holds a signature of numbers that is repeated within our DNA, showing God's signature. Dr. Rubenstein explains that there are two polynucleotide helixes in our DNA, held together by a bridge of sulfur that bridges the DNA base pairs in a sequence of 10, 5, 6, and 5. In Hebrew, 10, 5, 6, and 5 spells out Yahweh, the name of God. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Before we get into the details of each judgment, you have to know why, one of the reasons why God allows judgments. And we've already discussed that it's not his will that people perish. It's not his desire to destroy the wicked, but he gives them space to repent and that it grieves him, you know, when people forsake him. It grieves him to the point where eventually it becomes anger, where he has to show his judgment. He has to show his justice. But let's talk about this for a second. Let's look at some Bible verses and really analyze them for a minute. And I want you guys, I want you to try to relate to what this could feel like if, if you put yourself in one of these Bible verses. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Can you imagine looking to and from the whole earth, looking upon the whole earth to see if there's any that want to understand you, any that seek you, that care about you, and comes to find out you find nobody that cares about you. Have you ever felt that way before? You know, sometimes you can, God can allow you to go through situations to allow you to feel a more connection with his heart. To, he informed you in his image. Maybe at times, there's times you felt like this before. Maybe God wants to share his heart with you. So think about this for a second. Imagine, I'll use someone from America, for example. They go to California and they just want one person to care about them. They knock on the door of all the houses in California. Hey, hey, would you let me in? By any chance, are you thinking about me? No, I'm not thinking about you. You're not welcome in my home. Goodbye. I don't care about you. 
They go through all the houses of California and find nobody. Then they go to South Carolina, Washington, Connecticut, you name the state. They go all over the U.S. and nobody seeks them. No one even cares about them. No one even thinks that they even cares to even think about their existence. I don't even care if you exist or not. That's how people treat that person. They reject them. So the person leaves America. They go to South America. They go to Central America. They go all throughout the whole earth, searching to and fro. Let's see, does anybody care about me? Is there anyone that has a heart that's towards me? Anyone care to let me in? And the whole earth says, no, we don't care about you. We only care about ourselves. Imagine from God's perspective. Imagine looking down upon children and an earth that he created. Children that he formed in his image. And the majority, the multitude upon multitude of people care nothing about God. They don't care if he exists. They don't give him any credit for the good in their lives that happens to them. But many of them give, want to give him credit. They want to attribute all the bad things that happen in their life and all the evil that they see in the world. They want to attribute that to God. But they, but they will take credit for all the good that happens in their life and give it to themselves. Oh, you see why I have uh, all these nice things in my life? Because I work hard for it. But the second something bad goes in their life, happens in their life, they blame God. Hypocrites. If you want to blame God for the bad, for the evil and the, the th things that are happening in your life that you're not, ha you're not happy with. If you're going to play that, if you want to play that card, then you better make sure that you blame him for all the good in your life too. Every time you're able to have a drink of water, you better thank God. Every time you had a roof over your head, food, water, clothing, a smile on your face, the ability to smile, the, be, the ability to taste food, you better thank God for that too. Then. But even upon that, even with that thought in mind, how many even thank God for their water? How many thank God for food? How many thank God for shelter? Or they just go on their life day by day, forsaking God, rejecting him, totally oblivious to his existence, totally oblivious, not even caring to cry out to him, just living for themselves and worshiping themselves as their own God. So now let's see what the scripture says about those who forsake God. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. Why? Why is his wrath kindled? Because they have forsaken him. And the proof in that verse of them forsaking him is burning incense to other gods. People say, they might be watching this documentary right now and say, I don't worship any other gods. But they worship themselves as a god. They worship the one in the mirror as their god. And they provoked the Lord to anger for forsaking the one that gave him, them life. Forsaking the one that gave them food, water, shelter. Forsaking the one as, that, that shed his blood for them. Forsaking him. Grieving God. And you will see, you see here, that the anger came because it forsaked him.
But with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place, and darkness will pursue his enemies. What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. Now, we're going to talk about floods. Now, obviously, most people watching this know the story of um, what happened in the book of Genesis, where a flood came and destroyed all flesh. If you open up to Genesis chapter 6, verse 17, you can read, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. And everything that is in the earth shall die. In roughly the year 1900, Galveston, Texas was destroyed by a massive hurricane slash flood. It killed roughly eight to 12,000 people. So check it out. This place, Galveston, it was known as the third richest city in the U.S., most of the whole state's cotton came from Galveston. So the third richest city in the U.S. So this city, before it was destroyed, it was known to be rich. It was known to have the most cotton. You know what I'm saying? And they had so many slaves. What would be the odds that the slaves started to escape and be set free and started leaving in roughly in the year 1865? Right? About 35 years later, by the time most of the slaves escaped, massive destruction and judgment came upon Galveston, Texas. It killed again. What did I say before? Eight to 12,000 people died in the storm. Now look at this scripture. Psalm chapter 103, verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Did God not execute judgment upon that land for oppressing the slaves? Look at that. Wow. And what did he use to do it? A flood. So he had mercy. The slaves escaped. And he destroyed those that built the third richest city in the U.S. They built an empire off of slavery. And they were judged from one storm. It was annihilated. Wow. Praise the Lord. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever.
mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence, yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation, and who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. And the mountains shall be molten under him, and the valleys shall be cleft, as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. For the transgression of Jacob is all this, and for the sins of the house of Israel.
In the first century, Pompeii was the sin city of the Roman Empire. Here, Rome's elite reveled in sex and sadism. Meanwhile, the earliest followers of Jesus were preaching repentance to the Romans and predicting the end of days. And then it happened. The Vesuvius volcano erupted and wiped out Pompeii and neighboring Herculaneum. We have two words, one in Greek, one seemingly in Latin, and then two stars. What do you make of this? Well, start with the middle word. So that's an attempt in Latin letters to represent the word carom, which is one of the most chilling words in the Hebrew language. That's the word used in the Bible when God utterly blots out a place. Sodom and Gomorrah were made carom. And then you've got the poinium, which is not a, a Latin word, but it's a Latinized word. I think it has to be from the Greek poine, which means to smite. So smite, utterly destroy, and then the two stars. What it shows us is that people in this culture, particularly Jews and Christians, were warning their friends and neighbors and saying, just wait. You think you're in the lap of luxury, you think everything's fine, everything's peaceful, just wait, because God has something to say. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1 to 3. Oh, that thou would rend the heavens, that thou would come down, that the mountains might flow down at that presence. As when the melting fire burns, the fire causes the waters to boil. Volcano. To make thy name known to thy adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou did terrible things, which we looked not for, Thou came down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. So why? Why was this happening? That the nations may tremble at his presence, and that his name may be known to his adversaries. I'll tell you what, if people see a volcano erupting in their town, in their area, where they live, they will flee. And so it might be a beautiful looking glow coming out of those those mountains but it is also utterly terrifying to see what a volcano can consume and again why is it happening read isaiah chapter 64 verse 2. so can you imagine the judgments that are to come in the book of revelation can you imagine the earthquakes and the things that are going to increase upon this earth that all nations may tremble at his presence. So imagine when the Lord fully shows up and the nations see him. If the earth quakes at his presence, nations tremble at his presence, the demons tremble at his presence. Imagine when he shows up. Whew. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? As the fire burneth the wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire, so persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame, 
that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Just like Elijah prayed regarding the weather and the drought occurred, David also prayed multiple times and used weather warfare prayer points. So don't get all caught up in what the, you know, the quote-unquote Illuminati, what they're doing with their weather warfare. They got nothing on the most high. Okay, God is the one that created all these weather phenomenons. And they could try to copy him all they want, but they're nothing but a bunch of wannabes. And look how David prayed. Psalm chapter 144, verse 5 to 6. Bow thy, thy heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Cast forth lightning, and scatter them. Shoot out thy arrows. And destroy them. For all you that are caught up in harp and you know what the enemy is doing with weather machines. What if one of the reasons the enemy is trying to create weather technology. Is to actually try to fight against the Lord. For instance. So when the drought is called forth in the book of Revelation, what if the enemy wants to learn how to produce rain in hopes that the enemy can try to bring forth rain in the midst of a biblical drought? What if it wasn't what you thought it was? What if it was an enemy trying to understand how weather works and weather operates so that way when the judgments come forth, the enemy can try to block them or try to manifest weather to try to stop the judgments of the Lord. But we already know who has the victory, and that's Jesus Christ. A noise shall come even to the ends of the earth, for the Lord hath a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh he will give them that are wicked to the sword, saith the Lord. If he turn not, he will whet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. Now we actually see this happen in the scriptures. You actually see where God actually will hand his sword over to a nation to punish another nation. Thus will I execute judgments in Egypt, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Son of man, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And lo, it shall not be bound up to be healed, to put a roller to bind it, to make it strong to hold the sword. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and will break his arm, the strong and that which was broken, and I will cause the sword to fall out of his hand. And I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations, and will disperse them through the countries. And I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon, and put my sword in his hand. But I will break Pharaoh's arms, and he shall groan before him with the groanings of a deadly wounded man. But I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon, and the arms of Pharaoh shall fall down. And they shall know that I am the Lord, when I shall put my sword into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall stretch it out upon the land of Egypt. When I shall put my sword into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall stretch it out upon the land of Egypt. So, in this scripture, God is putting his sword into the hand of Babylon to punish Egypt. 
He even allowed Babylon to conquer Israel at one point, right? For their wickedness, because they would not listen to Jeremiah. They would not listen to the word of the Lord. So he allowed Babylon to hold his sword to go through Israel and conquer. And eventually, God himself judges Babylon as well. None can escape his judgment. None of these nations will escape his judgment, but he can allow one nation that's more wicked and more powerful than other nations to come forth and conquer a nation as part of his judgment, the sword of the Lord. So he said he'll wet his sword. He wet his sword and he put his sword into the hand of Babylon. If I whet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh. And that with the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. So you could punish one wicked nation by using an even more wicked nation, allowing them to invade a nation and take over. And at the end of the day, they're all going to be judged by him because he's the judge of judges. So when judgment comes to your land, watch out for all those false prophets that say peace, peace, when there is no peace. When your nation has done over 50 million abortions, don't listen to those people that say peace, peace, when God's ready to judge your nation. When your nation was built on slavery, Have you not read the scripture? God is not mocked. A man will reap what he sows. How much more a nation. And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils. Thou most proud, saith the Lord God of hosts, for thy day is come, the time that I will visit thee. And the most proud, shall stumble and fall, and none shall raise him up. This is the story of a soldier who operates your nation's Patriot Missile Defense Systems. It begins in California, with a little girl raised by two moms. Although I had a fairly typical childhood, took ballet, played violin, I also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age. When I was six years old, one of my moms had an accident that left her paralyzed. Doctors said she might never walk again, but she tapped into my family's pride to get back on her feet. Eventually standing at the altar to marry my other mom, with such powerful role models, I finished high school at the top of my class and then attended UC Davis, where I joined a sorority full of other strong women. But as graduation approached, I began feeling like I'd been handed so much in life, a sorority girl stereotype. Sure, I'd spent my life around inspiring women, but what had I really achieved on my own? One of my sorority sisters was studying abroad in Italy 
another was climbing Mount Everest. I needed my own adventures, my own challenge. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it. A way to prove my inner strength and maybe shatter some stereotypes along the way. I'm U.S. Army Corporal Emma Malone Lord, and I answered my calling. Это первый день твоей новой жизни. То, что было вчера, не имеет значения. То, кем ты был прежде, уже никого не волнует. Теперь важно то, кем ты будешь сегодня. Что ты знаешь о себе? На что ты способен? Вопросы могут остаться без ответов, но разве ты сможешь потом спокойно спать? Узнать тебя, познать границы своих возможностей. К черту границы! Ты готов ломать себя до изнеможения? Каждый день здесь боль закаляет. Шрамы, повседневность. Это ты решил себе что-то доказать. Командир здесь только для того, чтобы ты мог увидеть в нем врага. Потому что без врага нет боя, а без боя нет победы. Но на самом деле, главный враг — это ты. Вчерашний ты. Твоя задача выследить врага, догнать его, превзойти, стать лучше, чем он, и вернуться назад победителем. He that leads into captivity shall be led into captivity. He that kills by the sword shall be killed by the sword. Your nation was started on the captivity of others. So your nation will be led into captivity. Your nation invaded the nations of others, killing with the sword, kicking down doors, terrorizing other nations. Those that kill by the sword shall be killed by the sword. You can't trust in military power when the sword of God Almighty comes through. Behold, a people shall come from the north, and a great nation, and many kings shall be raised up from the coasts of the earth. 
They shall hold the bow and the lance. They are cruel and will not show mercy. Their voice shall roar like the sea, and they shall ride upon horses, every one put in array like a man to the battle against thee, O daughter of Babylon. So don't, don't, don't trust in your guns. Don't trust in your constitution. Open up your Bible. It's time to get in the ark before judgment comes to your nation. You better make sure you're in the right army. The army of the Lord. of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out mine hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and will cut off man and beast from it. And suddenly shall the sown places appear unsown, the full storehouses shall suddenly be found empty, and the trumpet shall give a sound which, when every man heareth, they shall be suddenly afraid. The question is, are you recognizing his hand? Or are you just moving on with your life and totally ignoring him trying to plead with you? Remember Paul? Remember in the book of Corinthians, the Bible says, to deliver such as one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So even in the New Testament, we see someone can be handed over to Satan in hopes that they will repent. Even if that means they got to lose their house in the judgment. Even if that means they got to lose their job. Because if it means they lose material possessions so their soul can be saved in the day of judgment, then so be it. If that's what it takes to shake up someone's life and get them to turn to the Lord and to be able to inherit eternity with God Almighty, it's all worth it. A drought is against her waters and they will be dried up. For it is the land of carved images, and they are insane with their idols. The rebellious dwell in a dry land.
the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So because of idolatry and graven images, there's a time where God will allow a drought to be upon a land because of their sin. And we see specifically here is because of graven images and because of their idols. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness who have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands. A world has forsaken him. Let's see what that word means, forsaken. Let's see what it means in, in the Hebrew. Some definitions real, real quick we can talk about. So what does it mean they've forsaken God? It means they have left God. They have abandoned God. They have neglected God. To leave behind They've deserted. They've deserted God. They let go of God. They won't let go of their sin, but they'll let go of God. To refuse, they've refused to seek God. They've refused to have a relationship with God. What's another word there? Another definition there. They relinquished. They relinquished their relationship with him to leave destitute, apostatize. This is how people have treated God. When it says they've forsaken him, this is what it means. They've left him behind. They can't leave their house without their wallets. They can't leave the house without their purse. They can't leave without their makeup. They can't leave without their Air Jordans, but they can leave their house without a prayer. They can't leave without their cell phone, but they can leave without their Bible. They can't leave without TikTok, but they sure have no time for God. Jeremiah 1, 16 to 17. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness who have forsaken me, who have abandoned me, who have neglected me, who have deserted me who have let go of me, who have refused me, and have burned incense unto other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. They worship their own bodies. They worship their own houses. They worship their own resumes, their own Instagram, their own Facebook, all the works of their own hands. They worship themselves. And because of that, God is going to utter his judgments against them, touching all their wickedness because they've forsaken him. He was the one that gave them life. He was the one that put the clouds in the sky. He was the one that created lightning and thunder. He was the one that created all these beautiful things, the butterflies, the birds, panda bears, the tigers, the elephants, the smile that you have on your face, the taste buds that you have. He is the one that created all these things. And yet people have forsaken him and put their middle finger out towards the most high God. Using his name as a replacement for a filth word. When they go to curse, they use the, name, the holy name of Jesus Christ as a replacement for a filth word. It shows you where the society, where society has gone. 
they've forsaken God. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. All those that are oblivious to God. All those that go their whole life without even saying a prayer to the Lord. Or all those who go throughout their own life and just say a prayer every once in a while and then the rest of their life is forget about them. Remember, it says all those who forget God. So that can also be those that, that have once talked to God. They once read the word. They once sought God for a brief moment, but then they forgot about him when they no longer needed him. They forgot about him. Now we're starting to see why judgments unfold. And now we take a look at how God will rod the nations that forget him and what he will do to those who have forsaken him, those who have neglected him, those who have abandoned him, those who have let go of God. We will see what he will do. To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. For the day of their calamity is at hand. shot too and I still get my period what yes traveled 
went to Mexico twice, did shows, meet and greets, never got COVID. Clearly, Jesus loves me the most. Seriously. <laughs> so nice. So nice. wicked people. Remember what I did unto Sodom and Gomorrah, whose land lieth in clods of pitch and heaps of ashes. Even so will I do unto them that hear me not, saith the Almighty Lord. 
Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. followed another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. It's scary to see what's happening in the United States whether it's two SLGBTQI plus rights that are constantly being attacked, my government will never let it happen. My government will always stand up unequivocally for women's rights, for two SLGBTQI plus rights. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the fourth angel poured out his bile upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. They shut off the power in China, and it's so hot people are staying in caves and sleeping on top of rivers. umbrellas to cover from the sun. People are still falling out due to heat strokes. They are not used to those temperatures.
for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? If a man has to be cast away from God with his own sin and misery forever and ever, if his inner being, as it were, is, is torn with lust, God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. And I think we'd better watch this business of, you know, God loves you, God loves you, and all the bumper sticker sloppy evangelism. Will you remind people of the goodness and the severity of God? Will you remind them that there's a day when mercy is cut off forever? Will you remind them that people pray in hell but nobody ever answers? The dead, small and great are going to stand before God in that awesome day. And the book of memory is going to be open and the Ten Commandments and, and, and other books that God has are going to be open in that awesome day. And there's no mercy. Mercy has gone forever. People will be saying the harvest is past and the summer is ended and I'm not saved. That great scholar Daniel Webster was once asked, what is the greatest thought? You have a colossal mind. What is the greatest thought that has ever traveled down the corridors of your mind? He said, I've thought many great things, but the greatest thing that I've ever thought of, the most awesome, the most terrifying, the most shattering thought I've ever had is my personal accountability to God one day. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake, lake of fire. The judgment of the sinners. Surely he took our infirmity. 